Well, hello there. I hope your day is going good. This is Mental Michigan here, and today we're going to be starting a section of the podcast where I read a couple chapters from a holy text like the Bhagavad Gita or the Tao Te Ching or something like that, and just briefly break them down and end the show. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into it. Michigan is mental. Michigan is mental. Mental Michigan. Mental Michigan. Mental Michigan. Today we're going to be doing the Tao Te Ching. And it was written by a man named Lao Tzu who was most likely not a man and a collection of poets uh, in the age of 500 years before Christ, so very long time ago. It's, uh, it's, I really enjoyed this text. It's a bunch of, it's a series of poems, pretty much, of philosophies, uh, all of them revolving around this idea of the Tao. And uh, the only other thing that I wish to note before getting into the text is that it was written as like a counterculture to like Confucius, Confucianism, Confucianism. A lot of the philosophies that Taoism proposes oppose Confucius philosophies, uh, especially when it comes to like governmental philosophy uh, the two the two really take it in different directions but anyway we're gonna get started uh this episode will include chapters or verses one through four chapter one the tau that can be followed is not the eternal tau the name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the origin of heaven and earth, while naming is the origin of the myriad things. Therefore, always desireless, you see the mystery. Ever desiring, you see the manifestations. These two are the same. When they appear, they are named differently. This sameness is the mystery. Mystery within mystery. The door to all marvels. So just to break it down a little. The Tao that can be followed is not the eternal Tao. That's referring that like. The type of Tao that you can observe and practice here on earth is not the real deal. The name of the Tao is not the real name of the Tao. It's just a, the Tao is just a term they use to refer to the thing that is the Tao. Uh, it's the origin of all things. By myriad things, the text is referring to like all things that in the material world, the material things. This section also states that if you're desireless, you will see the mystery behind existence but if you are always desiring then you are always seeing the manifestations 
of your desires, like the law of attraction. In my opinion, the most interesting part about the first chapter is uh, when the poem goes on to say that these two are the same, referring to being desireless or desiring, but when they appear, they are named differently, and it's, they seem like really different things to uh, be the same, so that, that one's interesting to think about, for sure. The sameness. The sameness that desiring is the same as being desireless is the mystery of the Tao. And apparently the door to all marvels. Chapter 2. All in the world recognize the beautiful as beautiful. Herein lies ugliness. All recognize the good as good. Herein lies evil. Therefore, being and non-being produce each other. Difficulty and ease bring about each other. Long and short delimit each other. High and low rest on each other. Sound and voice harmonize each other. Front and back follow each other. Therefore, the sage abides in the condition of Wu Wei and carries out the wordless teaching. Here, the myriad things are made, yet not separated. Therefore, the sage produces without possessings, acts without expectations, and accomplishes without abiding in her accomplishments. It is precisely because she does not abide in them that they never leave her. Well, Wu Wei is a, a word for non-attached action. And we actually have podcasts about non-attached action. But no, in simple terms, non-attached action is performing actions in life without being attached to the outcomes of those actions. Uh, and the, the lower... The last few paragraphs in chapter 2 also explain what non-attached action is. Uh, the, the, this chapter goes on to say, like, duality exists because we recognize one part of that, that duality. Like, so since we all recognize a standard for what the good is, for example, then evil exists. Because it has to have that comparison to even exist. Uh, throughout the Tao Te Ching, uh, the sage or it will always be referred to as a female because the Tao is considered a feminine force, which we will the other chapters dig more into. Chapter three: If you do not adulate the worthy, you will make others non-contentious. If you do not value rare treasures, you will stop others from stealing. If people do not see desirables, they will not be agitated. Therefore, when the sage governs, he clears people's minds, fills their bellies, weakens their ambitions, and strengthens their bones. If the people are kept without cleverness and desire, it will make the intellectuals not dare to meddle. Acting without contravance 
there is no lack of manageability. An important theme I think that is stated here is uh, pretty much if you do not put value on things like objects or whatever, then no one will see them as valuable. For example, if uh, the government didn't equate gold to a monetary value standard, it wouldn't be worth anything. Uh, so that's interesting, but we obviously live in a day and age where everything has values and people who have lots of capital value certain things, which give them, give those things more value. Uh, and it's stating that if a sage were to be in charge of the government, he wouldn't do that sort of thing. I don't think you should keep the people without like cleverness or, or desire, you know, but the point they're trying to make is that you should create an environment where people shouldn't want to strive for more than what they have because everything that they need or want is already met. Chapter 4. The Tao is so vast that when you use it, something is always left. How deep it is. It seems to be the ancestor of the myriad things. It blunts sharpness, untangles knots, softens the glare, unifies with the mundane. It is so full, it seems to have remainder. It is the child of I don't know who, and prior to the primeval Lord on high. So the Tao is infinite. There's always something left of it. It is never will run out of itself. Uh, it, it goes on, this chapter goes on to explain that what, what the Tao is and what kind of force it is, which it's a soft force. It's a gentle force. It, it blunts sharpness. It, it makes things that have edge less of an edge. By uh, saying it's the child of I don't know who, means they means nobody knows what the origin of the Tao is. Uh, important statement to take away though is it is prior to the primeval Lord on high, which would be like the equivalent of the Christian God, the creator of the universe, the creator of Earth. This chapter states that the Tao itself pre-exists God. So yeah, very interesting stuff. Anyway, we'll be doing another one of these Tao Te Ching sections soon. I always enjoy getting into texts like that, and they give the mind a lot of good food for thought. But anyway, thanks for listening. We got a website, mentalmichigan.com, and have a nice day.